So, um, like Pastor Dan said, I'm Emily. And uh, uh, just a little about myself. Um, I have uh, loved Jesus for most of my life. Um, I have uh, viewed all of my jobs as a barista, um, as a CNA, house-sitting, babysitting, um, being a neighbor, uh, being a big sister, all of those has opportunities to minister to people. I am good at listing off the things that I can do and that I do do. Um, but one thing that you need to know about me, I hate being up here. <laughs> hate it. And so I get really awkward. And um, so I'm going to be reading off of my, my um, our sermon today so that I can follow along. Um, and I'm not very good at beginnings or endings. And so I'm going to uh, let Rachel at this point introduce herself as well as uh, get us going. Good morning. I apologize. Um, I brought home a cold from Ghana, and so I'm still getting over it. So if I pop a cough drop in my mouth, <laughs> please forgive me. Um, I'm trying to get over that. Um, I think we know most of you in here this morning, um, but when I was sitting there writing, trying to figure out how to introduce myself, it's really hard to figure out what information is really important for you to know to get to know us better. Um, so just a couple of things. Um, I have been a Christian and loving the Lord for a little over 25 years. Um, some years I have loved Jesus a lot more than others. Um, but the nice thing is, is that Jesus and God, even through the years that I haven't been the most faithful, has always been the most faithful to me. He is a God that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and I am just always in awe that God loves me so much that he wouldn't give up on me. Um, I'm a teacher. However, I'm a teacher without a job, which is a story of a faith in of itself. Um, but being a teacher goes hand in hand with my calling to being in youth ministry, which I have now been doing for over 20 years. And I love our kids. I love being in SALT. Um, and I be, love being with them. And I love being at high school every day. Um, they're just, they mean a lot to me, um, our kids. They are in the next generation of who's going to lead our church um, body in our, in our country as well. Um, the other thing about me is I'm one of those nerds, and I say that affectionately, that loves calendars. Some people may call me a Nazi, a meaty Nazi. Um, I will not name names, Mr. Ross. But all the organizational things that come with it, that's probably one of my favorite things to do is to be that nerd Nazi. Um, and probably I would say that a couple of our pastors here love that I am that organizational as well. Um, um, and so that's just a little bit about me and Emily. Um, today we're wrapping up a four-week ser- uh, message series called My Story. Emily and I actually were not here for the first couple of weeks. Um, but if you missed it, um, just a little plug, you can go online to LifeSpring um, webpage and find it there. You can also um, download a sermon app called SermonNet and listen to it there. Um, but we enjoy that you're here with us this morning. Um, the message in the previous weeks... Um, that we're all embracing the reality that we are creating our life stories, that one day we're going to tell stories about our lives. And the good news is that many of you, a few years from now, are going to tell a story about this chapter of your life, and you're going to have a story that you're really proud of. Um, And you're going to say, hey, I made some new friends. I took a step of faith. I started a new discipline to help change the direction of my life. I was able to get over hurt and fix a relationship through that. I started a ministry. I stopped something that was hurting me. And as you look back several chapters from now, in this chapter of your life, you're going to have a story to tell. Unfortunately, 
Um, the flip side of that is that for some of us, several years from now, we're going to look back at this chapter of our life and we're going to find things that we're not so proud of. Um, that's just kind of how life goes, unfortunately. Um, we may make decisions that we regret, regret um, and there may be chapters of our lives that we really don't want to tell our story. Um, so we have a choice to make, to make a decision to tell a story that we're really proud about and make the decisions that God wants us to make or to sit back and make the wrong decisions. The key thought for this series, if you're taking notes, and here's the teacher in me, um, history makers are note takers. I tell that to my kids all the time. Um, So if you're taking notes, um, the decisions that you make today determine the stories that you'll tell tomorrow. Um, And that's really important for you to know. The decisions you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. Um, In this chapter of your life, some of you are going to sense there's something new that needs to take place. Um, It's that still small voice in you that says, Get up, do something, change something, make something different happen in your life. Um, For others of you, it may be future chapters in your life. It may not be right now, but when you're still paying attention and sensing that still small voice, um, just listen to it. Um, But when you are listening to it, you may realize one day, goodness, I'm supposed to take a new step of faith. I'm supposed to venture out. I'm supposed to get out of my comfort zone and start something new. There's something different. There's something I didn't expect Um, And I just know that there's more than I'm supposed to do. And I get that all the time. And we have seasons of life that we do that all the time. There's something new and something different for us. Um, When you get to that place that you're realizing that there's something new and there's something different, um, the best decision that you can make is to go when it would have been easier to stay. That's probably the the key thought of our message today is that sometimes the best decision you can make is to go when it would have been easier to stay. Sometimes the best decision you can do is to follow the hunch, take the step of faith, to go when it would have been easier to play it safe, and live inside your comfort zone. The best decision you can make is to go when it would have been easier to stay. Um, We're asking the big question in this series, how do we live a story worth telling? How do we live the story that God wants us to tell? How do we go to people and have a story that we feel comfortable, that we feel that is God-ordained and God-breathed and divine appointments made by God? The answer um, is found in Hebrews 12, verse 2, and it says, I think, yep, there it is. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, Again, it's just so important to have that verse ingrained in who you are And Hebrews 12, again, says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And here at LifeSpring, we all know that our favorite word is Jesus. All of our eggs are in one basket, which is Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, If you're going to go, um, you're going to have to leave. (laughs) It's kind of a key thing. You can't stay in that chair. You're going to have to get up and go um, to where you're going. And that's going to take a little something that we call faith. Um, And that's why you need Jesus, because he's the one that perfects our faith. If you want to write the story of your life in a way that pleases God, then guess who you want help authoring that story? Jesus. You want Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Um, And he's going to help you live the story that he wants you to tell. It's not our story. It's our story because God has ordained it to be that way. So, And we have to listen to that voice inside of us that says, this is the story I want you, Rachel, Emily to tell in the series my story we're making four decisions um week one who remembers what week one was 
You don't count. You can't. <laughs> I heard it. Start. We decided to start a discipline that would help us live the story God wants us to tell. Um, like I said, Emily and I weren't here the first couple of weeks, so I actually um, took the time this week to listen to the first couple of messages so that I knew what we were talking about. And um, I love actually just sitting and listening to our messages over and over. Um, and the thing I really liked about the first message about starting a discipline is that it doesn't have to be what we would necessarily call a spiritual discipline. Um, what That might be what you need to do is to start reading or praying more. I like the fact, though, that it's concrete activities to change our spiritual life. Um, whether that's getting your finances in order or um, getting your physical health in order or fixing a relationship. It's concrete activities that we can choose here and now that are going to affect our spiritual life later on down the road, that are going to change that chapter of our life so that we have a story to tell in the future. Um, And then week two, it's up there. It's cheating for you. (laughs) It's not fair. (laughs) Week two is to stop, and that would stop something that's hindering you from the story that God wants you to tell. And then last week, Pastor Dan talked about staying the course when it would be easy to throw in the towel, um, to quit, to walk away. And how many of us, I would venture to say, every single one of us in here have come to some point in time when it would just be easy to say, I'm done. I don't care if I go on. I don't care about this God thing. And it's just easy to throw the towel in, walk away, and never have anything to do with it again. Um, But please don't. Please don't. Um, Today, the last one. Um, is we are going to talk about go. Um, and so with that, Emily's going to tell a little bit about going. Um, our stories are being written every day of our lives, the good, the bad, the indifferent. With every breath that we take, um, we as Christians are called to live out our faith stories. And in that way, we have to please God. Um, like Rachel said, We need Jesus to help us to go um, when it's so much easier to stay. We're going to be looking at Abram and Sarah. I always call him Abraham because his name changed. And Sarah. um, who um, And their their story in a nutshell, basically, Abram and Sarah lived in Ur of Chaldees. And they worshipped false gods. So one day, this, uh, the, the one true God came to Abraham and gave him a very simple and direct command. It's in Genesis 12, and it tells us that um, the Lord said to Abram, uh, I uh, leave your country, your people, your father's household to go to a land that I will show you. So it is very cl- a clear command to go, um, to leave, to vamoose. I think that you get this, the, the, the gist of it. Um, so I am the queen of obvious. In order to go, you must leave where you're at, what is comfortable, what is safe, what is known, um, and what is predictable and what is easy. I heard a great quote. It says, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. I'm going to say it again because it's so powerful. To step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. Even though, um, um, even though Abraham was asked to leave everything, I, it just is amazing to me 
Um, it's almost like Rachel and I going to Ghana. He had no clue where he was going. Well, we sort of knew where we were going. Um, and uh, he had no clue. And, but he left everything. He left his family, his friends, his house that was almost paid off, his 69 Mustang. Um, he was asked to le- leave everything. Not, well, not exactly. He was asked to take Sarah out along with him, but I digress. Everything that um, he was um, comfortable with, God called him to a place that he had no clue where he was going. Um, But he was not going empty-handed, and this is the thing that I want you to catch. He was not going empty-handed, but with a promise. In verse 2 of of Genesis 12, 2 and 3, it says this, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. (laughs) I can only imagine how hard it was to believe that. I mean, hear this this man and woman. Um, Abraham was 75. Sarah was about 60. Um, being, at, being told that he would be the father of a great nation when he had no kids and there was no way that they were going to have it. I'm sure as the years passed that they made promises to God saying, if you give me kids, I will go to church every day. I will give a cheeseburger to the guy at the, in the, in, at the end of the street, the homeless guy at the end of the street every day. But here's the thing. As much as we try, we are not changed by the promises we make God. We are changed by the promises that God makes us. The amazing thing to me is that Abraham had the audacity to trust God when it seemed impossible for those promises to come true. He still obeyed and went. Let's think about this. Um, what would have happened if Abraham didn't trust God? Uh, we probably uh, would be serving and worshiping God of Bill and Ted um, and not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. There are so many untold consequences um, that would have happened if Abraham didn't have the faith to go. He would have missed out on the blessings that God had for him, the blessings of his name change, the blessings of his children, um, the blessings of um, the covenant that is fulfilled through Jesus Christ so that we are blessed by being adopted into the kingdom of heaven. There are so many times in my life where um, in in your life that is coming. um, Sorry. Nervous. Woo. Um, there are so many times, uh, there are going to be a time in your life where there is a sense of something changing, something new on the horizon, something different, something that could be amazing. If you believe that you are supposed to go, but don't, um, because you are going to have to leave what is comfortable, what is safe, what is known, you just might be missing out on the blessing God has for you. Sometimes that means that we need to go when it's so much easier to stay. When I got the sense, I actually got the sense um, uh, last year about March, I knew that something was coming, something different. 
I didn't know whether or not it was to actually step away from LifeSpring and leave and and, uh, go to a different church or a different state. I didn't know whether or not it was to step down from a job that I absolutely love. Um, I didn't know if it was to go to school um, or or I didn't know what it was. One day um, on Twitter... Uh, a, a feed came up about a short-term missions training conference, and I knew that I needed to go. I've always loved missions, but never felt called to long-term overseas missions. I didn't know if that was changing. I didn't know if that was one of the things changing. I had three weeks before this, this conference um, to get my plane ticket, to get lodgings, and to get time off of work, but I had to go. This trip opened so many doors to make new connections, confirmed that I was called to go to a short-term mission. But as I applied to several um, that were uh, three to six months long or um, two to four weeks long, none of them seemed to work out. So I came back home, and it was also confirmed that I was to start stepping down from my coffee shop that I absolutely love. I've been in the industry for a long time. But I was was starting to be called more forcefully into another another field. Um, As I started stepping down and going back to school, I I still had this nagging sense that I was supposed to go on a missions trip overseas, Um, even though the previous ones didn't work out. When Ghana came up in January, I knew I had to go. I knew that there was a lot of work ahead of me. Um, I had started stepping down from my, my work, and so I, I, I had cut hours. Um, I started going back to school for my certified nurse's assistant um, license. Uh, I was looking for a job in the medical field, um, and it just was crazy. And I hate asking for money, and I knew that I couldn't pay for this trip on my own. I just I hate that. That's one of the things that I dislike. But I had to be obedient to God no matter how many difficulties came up. And he showed his faithfulness. See, it would have been so much easier for me to say, I'll get it next time. I'll get it next year when my life is not so crazy, not so just nuts. And I actually almost did. Over the summer, I got to go to junior high and high school camp. And the junior high camp uh, speaker said this. Um, uh, See, uh, the speaker said this, if you can say, I can do it tomorrow, you are most likely going to say something, uh, say the same thing tomorrow, the next day, the next month, the next year. And before you know it, you are a hundred and still not doing what God has asked you to do. So it was pretty much obvious at that point in time when he repeated it three times that I had to go. Because God asked me to go. Um, And in that, that I got to go, I got to love kids. I got to teach what being a Christian looks like. I got to love on women pastors. I got to see people give their lives to Jesus and their lives were forever changed. I got to see people filled with the Holy Spirit and now are called to love those around them. All because I was willing to go when it was so much easier to stay. So my story about going to Ghana starts actually um, about a year ago. 
a little over a year ago, um, I sensed God was asking me to step out more in preaching and teaching at SALT. Um, for me, that was really outside my comfort zone. Um, but a lot of you would think, well, that's really funny because she's a teacher. She talks to kids all day long. She has like 150 of them that she talks to and gets up in front of. And I'm really comfortable doing that. I'm really comfortable teaching a subject matter that I know a lot about, that I went to school and have a lot of school debt to show for it. Um, but getting out and talking to a large group of kids about spiritual matters freaked me out. It really scared me because you were really responsible for getting truth into them. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But I, but I was obedient to God, and so I went to Pastor Adam, and I said, here's... Here's what I think God's telling me to do. I think God's telling me to preach and to teach at SALT. And he's like, okay. It took about four or five months before he actually asked me to preach at SALT for the first time. And I prepared a message and in true teacher form. I think I had a handout for them that night and and all that stuff. Um, And it was really nerve-wracking and it was really fearful and it was really intimidating. But I did it. Then he asked me again and I did it again. Now we're at the point that messages has just come to me when I'm doing my soaps or when I'm praying and I write them out and I'm like, this is for salt. And I'll call Adam and I'm like, I need to be preaching tonight. And Adam's like, sure, go ahead. I'm at that point now that my obedience to listen to that still small voice inside that said, go and do something different is the forerunner of my obedience to go to Ghana. Um, uh, So last December... Um, I was actually sitting over there, and I actually want to give you a little side note to going as well, because I was sitting over there when Dan started talking about Ghana, but I used to sit in that chair right there in front of the soundboard, right in front of Duncan, for like three years. That was my spot. Every Sunday. And when people would come to church early, in fact, Dave Rano would sometimes beat me to church, and he'd sit there, and I'd look at him, and I'm like, Dave, you were in my spot. You need to move. But I sat there, and during the three years that I sat in that chair, I did nothing for Life Spring. I just came, I worshipped, I was faithful to be here, but I was going through a period in my time, that, a time in my life that I just didn't do anything. Um, and God said, you need to get out of that chair, you need to go from that chair, and you need to move. Um, and I know that seems kind of funny and kind of maybe insignificant, but for me, the, the move to go from that chair, and then I moved over to that section, and now you see me in the front row, really was the catalyst for me doing things here at LifeSpring and getting involved in changing my community and changing my own life because I was listening to that voice. And being back there, it was all about Rachel and what Rachel needed to do. And by getting out of that chair and moving over to that section, it was about what God wanted me to do. And I know that that seems funny, but it is so important to just listen to the small things. Um, because the small things lead to the big things. Um, so last December, I was sitting back over there. I hadn't quite made it to the front row yet. <laughs> I was sitting over in that section last December, and Pastor Dan was up here talking about Ray taking Joe and Colby back over to Ghana sometime um, in 2014. And I sat over there, and I said, that sounds awesome. Way to go, boys. I think you're going to do awesome. I, you know, in my head, I'm going to be praying for you. That's what I'm telling myself. I'll, I'll give money. Um Way to go. Have at it. Dear thing. Um, then Dan keeps going on. And then he starts talking about how they're going to have a teaching time in Ghana. And the word that I got a year ago was to teach more. And the Holy Spirit spoke up right then and there and said, Rachel Ann, that means you. And I said, oh, no, that does not mean me. 
And he kept saying, Rachel, that means you. You are called to teach. You are called to be a woman of God, um, to go boldly and confidently where I've called you to go. Um, it took me a couple weeks to actually go to Pastor Dan and have a meeting with him and say, this is what I think God's calling me to do. I didn't want to have that meeting. I didn't want to tell him I thought that I was supposed to go. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, um, I like what I do. I like where I'm at. And that just didn't fit with what Rachel wanted at that point in time. And he told me to go talk to Ray. And so Ray and I talked about it. And, and so I went. I decided to go. Um, it took a lot of faith. Um, you're going to think that, um, why didn't we send Rachel and Emily? Both of them are so insecure and had changed their minds so many times. But when you go, you go. Um, it took a lot of faith for me to do that. It took faith for my finances. Um, as I was saying, I don't have a full-time job. Um, I had to be willing to trust God to get my bills paid while I was gone, um, to actually still pay them because I'm still in that season of kind of coming out and rearranging things. Um, I had to have faith that I would be able to create a curriculum to teach something that I wasn't that m- the most comfortable about, um, not only for myself to teach, but for my entire team to teach. Um, I had to be, have that faith. Um, I had to have faith that I was even worthy enough to go on such a trip. And I think the most important thing for me to overcome was that someone really near and dear to my heart um, over the last nine months has actually only had two conversations with me about Ghana because he so disliked the fact that I was going. Um, and I had to stand firm. And that person's my dad. The one person that, you know, as a little girl, you idolize is your dad. And my dad only has had two conversations with me in the last nine months about my trip um, because he so disliked the fact that I thought I had to go outside my backyard and go to another country to tell people about God. And I had to have faith to stand up and be bold and say, you know, this is what I think God's calling me to do. And I do do things in my own backyard, but I really feel God's calling me to go somewhere else. And I don't have those conversations with my dad very often. And so to have that conversation was really, really hard. Um, and there was a lot of tears from that because you want that person you idolize to say, yes, I approve. Um, but at the same time, the person I serve that's higher than that, I have to be obedient to him more than um, the people in my life. Um, and I had to vocalize that. And it was really, really hard for me. Um, over the summer, I, you know, the last month before we went, I was even ready to go to Pastor Dan and said, I'm ready to not go. Um, I'm ready to just stay home. There's things going on in my life that um, just are not making it. I don't want to do this. Um, but I didn't. I went. Um, I questioned my time. The entire time I was in Ghana, I actually questioned why I was there. Uh, I might sound like a basket case, but believe me, I'm not. <laughs> um, when you make that decision, though, I can't tell you that you're going to know right away why God told you to do something. I can't tell you that... As soon as he tells you to go, he's going to give you a revelation of why or how it's going to change your life or how your chapter is going to come out years from now or the people that you have um, touched or the lives that you change because you're obedient. Because as I'm standing here today, sometimes I still question myself, why did I go? What's the impact that I had in Ghana, 6,000 miles away from Edgewood, Washington? What, what made me worthy enough to go to Ghana? Um, and we're going to show you some pictures later. And I have to believe that God had a reason. God had a reason for me to touch lives there. And I have to believe that now he's changing my life for the better. That years from now, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, the reason I'm different now is because of the decision I made years before. 
the decision to go um, and just be obedient. And so that's our word today is to be obedient to go. Um, so that's kind of my story about getting to Ghana. Um, now that you've heard her stories about going, um, it would have been easier for us to stay, um, stay, stay and to not go. Um, but because we made the decision, we need to ask the question to you guys. What is it that God wants you to want? Where is it that God's telling you to go? Who's going to be the author of your story and what needs to change about the direction of your story that you're taking right now? Um, if you look at it from a broader picture, you know that there's things in your life that need to be different. Um, you know there's things that you need to change, that you need to modify, that you need to start, you need to stop, you need to stay for your story to be what God wants it to be. So the question that we ask is, what does God want you to want? Some of you, and I know that this is true for quite a few actually in here, some of you, God's asking to go back to school. Um, I've been in school. It's a big decision to make, especially as an adult going back to school. It takes a lot of um, time. It takes a lot of finances. It takes a lot of flexibility because more often than not, you are working at the same time that you are going to school. And then on top of that, they give you this nasty thing called homework. (laughs) Um, And you're like, how do I make all this work? Um, But if God's calling you to go back to school and start a new arena of your life, go. He will provide a way. He will give you the the opportunities to do what you need to do. He will give you people in your life to come behind you and beside you and support you through that decision. Um, For others of you, it might be going to a life group. And we have 14 of them starting right now. So we have more than enough for you to choose from. Um, But it is a scary thing if you've never been in a life group with other people that you don't know to go and be there and and not just be there, but to get involved, to pray with them, to have someone speak into your life, to have be the confidence to speak into other people's lives. It takes a lot. I know I've been there, but I encourage you that if that's something God's telling you to do, do it. If God's telling you to stop being in this life group you're in and start a new one, do that. There's so many opportunities for us to go within our own church that we just need to listen. You may be called to go on a mission trip. You may be called to start an outreach or be part of an outreach that's already um, happening. Sorry. And for me, this is the big one. Um, for some of us, he may just be asking us to go to our neighbors. Um, I just I watch my kids every day at school, and we live in a generation where we refuse to know the people we live next to. Because we don't want to get involved in someone else's life that's just as messy as our own. So we just say, they're over there. If I need a cup of sugar, I'll go borrow it. But I'm not going to get involved with their life because that means that I have to invest time and energy. And I might have to pray for them someday. And I might have to invite them to church someday. But I really encourage you for me, and this is for me too, because I live in an apartment complex and I can kind of use the excuse, well, we don't ever see each other. And in fact, the person that lives across the hall from me, I've probably seen twice in the two years I've lived there. But how much would it be to just knock on the door and say, hi, I'm your neighbor across the hall. And I just wanted to say hi. It's just that going and being a part of other people's lives. It didn't change your story. Um, So the first question I asked was, what does God want you to want? Now that you're beginning to have a sense maybe, of what God wants you to want right now in your life. The second question I have is what step of faith do you need to take? Um, Based on the story that God wants you to tell, what step of faith do you need to take so that your story is what God wants it to be? Um, You need to really think about that, pray about it, because that is what's going to change your life when one day you decide to go when it would have been easier to stay. 
Um, some of you uh, are called, just like Rachel said, to uh, go to a life group or maybe even lead or host one. Um, there's more opportunities, even though we have 14 going, there are always more opportunities to reach out. And, and sometimes the best way is through life groups. Some of you guys may be called to maybe a smaller dynamic called the nursery or the kids, the young, the young kids, um, or the youth group or the young at heart. Some of you guys might be called to start a business um, that will provide jobs and services that are greatly needed. Some of you guys may be called to singleness, or some of you guys might be called to marriage. Some of you guys might be called to have more kids. Um, And some of you guys might be called to foster and adopt uh, kids that are around here. So why is it so many of us um, don't go? I, I, you know, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. For, the, for me, it's because I'm afraid. I'm insecure. I don't have the time. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. I can tell myself I can do it later. Um, but the bottom line is that I don't have faith to step out. Um, here's what I hope that you get out of this. That scripture says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. How did Abraham do it? Um, How did he step out where God called him to go, where he had no clue where he was going? How did he do it? Well, Hebrews 11.8 tells us that by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, um, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He did it by faith. Um. But some of you guys might say, and I do as well, well, you know, I don't have enough faith to finish the journey. Well, the great news is is that you don't need faith to finish the journey. You just need faith to start the journey. Uh, You just have to have faith to take that first step of just moving chairs or just getting on a plane or just working in the nursery. You just need to have that first step or having that first conversation. Um, And uh, I can tell you nine months ago that I did not have the faith to complete going to Ghana. It took time. Um, I wouldn't have been able to make my car payments while I was in Ghana. I didn't believe that I would be able to be be effective in Ghana. But I had faith that God had called me um, to go. And so I went. Um, In going... I had, uh, we had the honor to impact people's lives. Some of the impact was very obvious, um, and some of the impact was um, not as evident. Um, And it was also unseen. Uh, Here are some of the people that we impacted, and a lot of them impacted us. So we're going to show you some pictures here. So I just want to tell you that I made myself the unofficial Ghana photographer, and I probably took like 900 pictures. And so we have just a few for you. Uh, this is this is the front of um, Pastor Maxwell's church. It is actually called Life Spring International Church of Ghana. Um, and so we um, that's where we stayed. The church is in the front, and then he has another building to the side, and behind that is his house. Um, so that there you go. We we help sponsor Life Spring International Church of Ghana. Next. 
Um, so we got to do, uh, be involved with a pastor's conference. And um, Rachel and I uh, had the honor of talking about um, family and ministry um, and relationships to the women. And um, neither of us have families. And, yeah, we're single. Uh, we have no clue. Most, all of these ladies are married. All of these ladies were dealing with married problems. But we, we went and um, we actually, God just showed up. And it was amazing. Um, I, I think that we were pretty effective, actually, mm-hmm. in just being able to speak into their lives, um, even being very feeling as inadequate as we did with not having some of those life experiences. So this, it was a, a huge honor to, to speak to these ladies. Next. next. This, is, uh, this one and actually the next one um, together, we uh, Sunday morning had the opportunity, we thought, just to go in and listen, and Adam was going to preach that morning. Uh, we got in there, and I sat down, and um, the pastor of the church um, said, can you teach Sunday school? And I was like, sure. I was happy that she went in first, actually. <laughs> yeah, I showed up first, so I got to teach first. Um, and so I taught the material that we had brought, um, and it was just a very small group. And the thing that came out of it, actually, is I got to... Um, uh, pray for this young man, Oscar, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so that is inside the church, and we had the opportunity to teach Sunday school. Next. This is our Sunday morning. Ray's actually not in the picture. He was speaking somewhere else in a crawl that day. Um, if you notice behind us, you might recognize those T-shirts. Uh, we had some extra ones, so we brought them with us to Ghana. Um, and that is um, Pastor Maxwell's church. Actually, Maxwell oversees it. Um, someone um, by the name of Joyce and her husband, which I don't remember his name, actually lead that church every Sunday morning. Um, and they were all very excited to get those T-shirts and to wear our names and to show people um, where we're from. So they were really excited. So that is Sunday morning after we finished speaking, the five of us and, and all of them behind us. Um, so this is something that I love to do. Um, I was, I actually, I don't know how I wound up, like almost every place that we went, I was the first to be asked to speak. I have no clue why. Um, but this was at, um, this was in uh, uh, Kosawa, and this is a Pentecostal church, and I don't remember sure the, way Assembly of Sure Way Assembly of God. Oh, it was Assembly of God. We, ha- we went to a couple of different ones. Um, and so I got to introduce everybody and greet everybody. The first one, um, definitely uh, not my favorite thing to do, but I did it anyway. So next. <laughs> this is actually, I know you can't tell really well, um, but Pastor Adam was giving the message that day. Uh, he gave an altar call. This is at um, Sherway Assembly of God still, and it's a school and a church. So during the day they have school kids there. So most of the people that were there that day, there was, I think, Probably close to 200 is what I counted. Um, and he gave an altar call. And about 75 kids from anywhere from like four on up to about 15 with some adults came forward and asked for salvation that morning. Um, and it was just amazing to just see so many kids hungry. Um, and then after um, the salvation call, we actually got to pray for them. And then more that even came up after that um, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We we're also able to give away some free Bibles to those um, that could read. Um, it was actually kind of heartbreaking because we didn't have enough Bibles to give every single person. So we kind of had to. I stepped out of it because I was like so overwhelmed with wanting to give everybody a Bible. But we kind of had to decide that those that could read were the ones that would get a Bible. Um, so that was our first um, 
full teaching time. Next. And look, there's us. Um, if you know me, I love selfies, and Colby does not. <laughs> so uh, this is, we had some free time, so we went to the beach one day. Actually, we went a couple times. Um, Colby made it his mission to make ugly faces in every selfie I took. Um, I've been told to, though, and it's not just me, it's an ussy. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah ussy. So this is all on the beach um, with some free time. Um, just hanging out. Next. Um, so at the same beach, we had the opportunity to, um, Rachel and I, to actually be athletic. Uh, they had a volleyball net and a court, and um, none of the people knew how to play volleyball. So um, we were actually one of the better ones on the court, which is amazing. Usually I step down because I'm like, no, 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 I'll let you guys play because you're so much better. I'll just drag you down. But we got uh, opportunity. I mean, that was an opportunity to love on people. Um, these were a bunch of uh, Muslim guys from where Nigeria. Did, Nigeria, and um, they uh, had no clue how to play volleyball. They sort of had an idea, but no, they um, didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> they, really. they, they, yeah, their serves were awful. I mean, I served better than them, and I'm an awful server. But anyways, I digress. Um, so we got to minister to them and love on them and um, and teach them volleyball and uh, and. This is a pick with uh, all of them. Next. Um, this is what the boys did almost every time we went into a building that had musical instruments. Adam would sit down with the drums. Joe had his guitar with them. And if there was, what is that called, a bass? A bass, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know my instruments. Uh, then Colby would join in. So this is the boys. The thing that you don't know, and thank you to, thank God that there's not a picture, is that um, we were asked as an entire group to get up there and sing and perform. And Emily and I just looked at each other with horror. <laughs> and so there's two mics there that Emily and I were actually on later on. And the blessing in disguise is that the power went out. <laughs> and so um, we sang, but nobody could hear us. <laughs> Very happy about that. It was really exciting. <laughs> Um, so this was uh, uh, a stretching uh, a church that I really got stretched at. Um, I, they kept on asking me questions, and I just was praying that somebody would come and take the mic out of my hand just so that I could go sit down. I, I stood up most of the time. I was up there most of the time. And so this was the youth conference. Uh, we got to answer a lot of questions about um, what is the evidence of God in your life? How is he changing you? How do you live? And just, just basically, just a lot of basics on how, um, how do you be a Christian? What does that look like? And so um, I, got a lot of, I got asked a lot of questions. Um, and uh, this is a picture with uh, the, most, most of them. I think, I think it's all of them, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, who was at the two-day youth conference that we had. Next. And um, so if you guys don't see over in, in that corner, uh, Rachel can't stand not being with the kids. Um, she or photobombed, <laughs> or in a picture, she photobombed um, me taking um, a essay with all the kids. And let me be the first to say that I was the first one to hold an African baby. So um, this kid is about one and a half. He was a toddler. I, I really can't say that he was a baby, but um, he's about one and a half years old. And then his uh, sweet sisters, uh, Beatrice and um, Princess. And uh, Princess, you'll see here later on, she would come up to the Crusades and grab 
of my backpack and be in charge of my backpack, which I was a little nervous because my passport and my money were in. So, um, but she, she took great pride in taking care of my stuff. So, um, she was one of my good friends while we were at this church and doing, um, the crusades. Next. Uh, this is at the same, um, youth conference. Um, this is Pastor Adam doing his thing. I do not know what the hand motions is that they all decided to show to the camera every time, but Adam being Adam just went along with it. Um, he actually had a lot of um, basketballs and soccer balls donated for us to take over. Um, so this is a group of kids that we were able to give a soccer ball to and um, take a picture with. So those are just some of the kids with us. Next. And these are the the youth conference was actually across the street from um, the area's largest Muslim mosque. And so the neighborhood is actually full of Muslim children and adults. And these are four little boys that um, kind of tagged after us. We were walking down that road to a house, um, and they just kept following at us, following after us and kind of peeking at us and just seeing if we would recognize them and, you know, say hi. So we actually stopped, gave them some stickers that I had taken with me, and then uh, took their picture. So those are uh, just some random kids that we saw and were able to um, have a quick interaction with. Next. Um, so this is uh, Pastor Joyce, and her daytime job is to teach. And um, this is the school we had an opportunity to go visit her school. Um, and her class is, uh, I think the youngest was two years old, and the oldest was probably about eight. Um, and uh, just just totally a blessing. These kids know more than most of our high schoolers do as far as, like, they can recite um, the times tables up to, I mean, they were going up to 15, I think. I mean, they just were going at it. Um, and then uh, um, some of the, if you go on Rachel's um, uh, Facebook page, you can see just everything written out. They were learning how to spell easy um, words like cat, dog, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it just was fantastic to see um, Pastor Joyce doing her thing and just loving on kids and loving on people. Next. This is, um, I actually don't even know her name. I was just so enthralled with holding a baby that it was exciting to me. This is probably one of the most exciting um, moments just to be able to, um, I think, I know that this is one of my impacts was just being able to pray for kids, not in the crusade um, when they come up, but just as they're standing next to me and just praying for them as they're standing next to me. Um, Mom just kind of pushed her my way and she actually sat in my arms and we did the side hold and then the front hold and then we went to sleep. So I got to actually hold her for a couple of hours and then the next night I actually got to hold her even more. Um, the funny thing is, is that I was standing next to Colby who has an absolute fear of babies unless they're like Addy size and larger. Uh, and mom was coming towards me and Colby just had this look of fear on his face. Why is that lady coming with a baby towards you? And I'm like, she's coming to give me the baby. So I was really excited. Um, but so that's sweet little baby girl. I got to hold for a couple nights next. And this is just a group of kids. Um, just really quick, we're going to show a couple other pictures too. The biggest thing with kids is they would swarm our van every time we got to wherever we were going. And as soon as we got out there touching us and saying hi and whatever, and then once they realized that Emily and I had cameras, it was, it was over. So they would just, they would just be like hamming it up for the cameras and letting us take pictures. Then what we figured out is that we both have digital cameras. So we would take our digital cameras and we'd hold it down here like this and we'd go through it. And then all of a sudden, 
had like 20 heads over our little digital camera because they were so excited to see their picture on our camera. And they would laugh and then they'd point out and say, hey, look, that's you. And, you know, they'd laugh at each other. And, and they just were so enthralled with getting their picture take, uh, taken. And they don't say take my picture. They say snap me. Snap me. So, like Rachel said, we took a bunch of basketballs and, and um, uh, soccer balls. And uh, in order to um, not be in a throng and trying to pump up these balls, we were on our way to, I think this was on our way to uh, Kosawa, and we were trying to fill up the balls with this little hand pump in the back of the seat um, and just try to, to get them full before we got there because we knew that as soon as we took them out and they recognized what it was, it game over. We were just there like, mine, 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 and wanted to have us give it to them. Um, so we had to teach them how to share, which was interesting. So, um, But, yeah, this is us filling up uh, the balls in the back of, um, of J-Lo, our van. So. Yeah. Next. Next. This is Rain. I Ray didn't like his picture taken very much either. Um, <laughs> so you don't have very many of them. Uh, we were actually stuck on the side of the road in this picture, so I decided to take a picture of us. Um, we happened to coast off of the freeway because our van died at like 11 o'clock at night and we were a little concerned. And so Ray, Emily and I actually took a taxi back to the house and the boys sat out there for a couple of hours and we were kind of slightly panicking thinking, um, hello there in Ghana. Our van's broken. We don't know where they're at. Come to find out, um, somebody doesn't like filling up the tank of gas all the way they just like topping it off with 50 settees which is only like 15 bucks so we just ran out of gas (laughs) unfortunately kind of funny but thankfully it wasn't anything worse than that next this is probably my most favorite non-ministry time and i I could talk about this man for hours but i his name is colin powell He's a genius when it comes to geography. Um, Adam met him first and then came running down the alleyway saying, Rachel, Rachel, I met your new best friend. And Colin Powell is absolutely my new best friend um, just because we are kindred spirits when it comes to geography and knowing things around the world. Um, you give him a state, a country, a province in Canada, and within half a second he's got the capital. And within the state he can tell you the the um, nickname of our state and then he can walk you through the state so when he met adam and found out adam was from washington he's like oh you mean walla walla sweet onions and then you go to spokane and then from there you go to yakima and and tacoma and olympia and even up to bellingham and adam was just like whoa (laughs) so we visited and then we bought stuff and then we left and then Adam and I went back and took more video of him, and then we left, and then we came back again because we were so enthralled with Colin. He was absolutely fantastic. My mission um, is to get him on TV sometime and get him out of Ghana because he is so awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Next. Next. This is just another group of kids. Just yep. yeah. group of kids all the time, everywhere. Yep. Next. Um, so yeah, this is just, I mean, they just wanted pictures. They would get so close to you that you couldn't eat, you, you just saw their heads because you're like trying to pull back. Um, so I wound up at one point in time standing with the kids so that they would back off so Rachel could take pictures of them. Um, so, uh, and this was just, um, a couple of them, uh, that we took a picture with next. This is Maxwell. If you've never seen Maxwell before, um, in the standard Rachel selfie. I'm really good at them. (laughs) Really good. I love them. Next. (laughs) 
Um, so what happens is that there's a dry season and a rainy season. And what happens over time is obviously during the rainy season, stuff gets washed out. Um, they do have uh, city managers um, type people in there. And most of these houses, by the time um, the next rainy season comes, will be condemned. But the thing is, is that um, these families will continue to live with, uh, live in it, uh, in these houses, until they start falling off the cliff. Um, and you can see some of them are just, like, right on the edge where the corner is even starting to come off. Um, and every rainy season, it just continues to wash away. Even the infrastructure of the um, streets get damaged all the time because of the rainy season. It's so wet. There's um, tons of flooding and all that kind of stuff. So um, this was in... Uh, Oh, my gosh. Aguanadwakwa. Yeah, Aguanadwakwa. And um, this is the little village that we went to. And um, so this was, this was uh, I guess, atypical of a village um, and how they build their houses and what normally will happen um, with the rainy seasons. Next. Um, this is my favorite lady ever. Uh, this is, um, uh, I want to call her Maggie, but it's not. It's Margaret, Margaret which uh, there was another Maggie, but she went by Margaret. This is our cook. She is a phenomenal cook. She knew how to um, cook for white people whose stomach couldn't handle all the spices of, um, of Ghana. Uh, I went in one day into the kitchen. I've learned over uh, years of just going um, to, to missions trips. If you want to get to know the people, you get to go into the kitchen and you try to cook with them. Well, I tried to do that, and after about five minutes, they said this is going to take forever and shoot me out of the kitchen. They appreciated my help, I think. Um, and then she was like, all right, you know, when, when we're ready to, to go to the next step, I'll call you back in. So I, I love her. She's awesome. Um, we were so blessed by her coming and cooking uh, uh, for us. So yeah, next. Okay, and we'll make this the last one. I know that we have a couple more, but um, we've gone really long with them. This is actually the church in Agona Duwakwa that we were able to speak at, and I had crusades at the final um, couple nights of our trip. Um, and that... Um, to the um, the building and then the one to the left of it is the church. It's actually bamboo on siding. There's a couple permanent trees inside that hold um, the palm trees uh, leaves up above, dirt floors. Um, you may or may not have a goat walk in on you when you are preaching. <laughs> I, you might need to ask Joe about that. Or chickens. Or chickens. <laughs> they all were a little concerned, but when we started taking pictures of it, they're like, oh, okay, maybe not so odd. <laughs> um, but this is their church. This is where they meet. They actually have a section of land cleared behind it um, for the day that they have um, the finances to build a church. Um, and to us, we think that, you know, we need thousands and thousands of dollars to build a church. When in reality, they're waiting probably for $1,000 to build a church behind them. They already have property. Um, it was just an amazing time being able to teach there. It was really um, fabulous um, having questions just asked and being able to answer them and just being confident that they are getting taught things of God that they can then go and teach the rest of their um, people. Um, so we have more um we put up a lot of pictures on Facebook while we were gone. Hopefully you saw some of those. Um, but there are dozens and dozens of stories that we could tell you about our time in Ghana and impacting lives. Um, but we wouldn't have been able to make the impact that you saw through the pictures if we hadn't stepped out in faith and went. Um, and so I don't know where you're going that you're going to need a big dose of faith. But I know that you're going to need it. 
And I know that one day when you decide to go, that faith is going to play a big part in your life. Um, and I hope that you're going to have a story that you can tell later on. Um, and one day your story is either going to be there's a chapter in my life where I sensed God was calling me to do something and by faith I went when it would have been easier to stay. Or your story may be I sat in fear and I did nothing. Um, I hopefully, you know, you make the choice of the two stories that you're going to have a story to tell that's worth telling that gives glory to God because of your obedience to walk and start with faith. Um, your courage to start a discipline, the courage to change something in your life that might be hindering you. Um, the strength to stop something, the courage to go and stay the course when God's telling you stay when you think it's easier to walk away from it. Um, and the faith to go. Um, it was really hard for Emily and I both to have the faith to go, but we did. Um, and just looking back, um, it's just been amazing what we were able to accomplish. And it was a lot of work for nine months for two weeks, but it made all the difference in the world. Um, and like I said earlier, I know that I feel like I don't know the impact right now in my personal life, but I know that years from now, or maybe even a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say that's the reason why. That's the story I'm telling now because of the decision I made. Um, and I pray that you have faith to go when God tells you to go. Um, and then for me to just kind of end before Emily comes back up is just remembering that that faith comes from Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So in order to do that, um, in order to have that inkling, or that some of you guys might have that inkling right now of, of well, I, I don't follow, I don't, I don't go, I don't, I don't even know this Jesus that you're talking about, um, or I want to get to know him more. I want to give an opportunity, and, and most of you guys in here um, I, I'm pretty familiar with, but, uh, you know, if you want to rededicate your life, or even just step out and say, you know, I've been coming to church, and I really have never dedicated my life and never really stepped out in following Jesus. I just want to take an opportunity now um, with uh, heads bowed and eyes closed. Um, take that opportunity. If you want to rededicate your life or even, um, say, again, say that you've been uh, following, uh, coming to church for ages but never actually made that commitment to Jesus, I want to give that opportunity. Is there anybody who wants to do that today? Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we just thank you so much for for our hearts. And I just pray that, um, uh, God, that we will just um, start going when you call us to go, that, that we will stay the course when you have called us to stay. Father, we just pray that we will just be able to start disciplines that um, we need to start in order to um, to follow you and to go. Um, and uh, that you, we will just be able to, to walk with you and to be able to have that relationship and do what we're supposed to. In Jesus' name, amen.